0: There is this idea that when we have whatever that thing is, then we'll be happier. Mm -hmm. And that's actually, there's a term for that in psychology. It's called the arrival fallacy because we don't recognize that, yes, there are things that can bring happiness when we get to that level, but there's also going to be challenges that perhaps we didn't have at the level before. So really what contentment is opposed to happiness is that ability to be satisfied by what's enough in your life already.
1: Without Fear of Her Future podcast is for women who are passionately pursuing financial freedom, using multiple streams of income and real estate to accomplish their goals. We are here to empower you to be brave, dream big, and design a life that you love that inspires others to do the same. I'm your co-host, Andrea Inkstrom, a real estate investor and business coach and co-founder of the Partnership for Realtors. And I'm here with my co-host, Teresa Todd founder of the Women's Real Estate Investors Network and author of the book, Without Fear of Her Future. Over the past two years, Teresa has had over 300,000 join her masterclass where she teaches women how to become successful real estate investors. Hey, Teresa.
2: Hey, Andrea. Well, today we're talking to Nero Feliciano. She is a psychotherapist, author, podcast host of All Things Life, an expert on anxiety, brain science, and spirituality. All the things that we love. So welcome Nero to the show.
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy
2: to be here. Oh, Um, we are so excited to have you. Well, why don't you just start by uh, letting our listeners know a little bit about yourself?
0: Sure. I'll start with The most important part about myself. So I am, I've been married to my husband for, it'll be 20 years in May. And we have four kids, two teenagers, a middle schooler and an elementary schooler. So that consumes, I'd say the majority of my life. (laughs) Um, And in addition to that, I've been an anxiety psychotherapist for the last 17 years in private practice. I now do media work. I'm on the Today Show pretty often these days. And I wrote my first book in April called This Book Won't Make You Happy. I love that title.
2: I do too. I do too. Yes. And I can't wait to get my hands on that book. I've been uh, following you a little bit on Instagram. And so, I mean, everything you're doing is so interesting. I'm listening to your podcast and it's yeah I love everything that you stand for so tell us tell us what's the difference between contentment and happiness
0: yeah you know I was on somewhat of a journey that I didn't even know I was on and I probably needed this book myself they say subconsciously writers write the books they need for themselves and I, I live in Fairfield County Connecticut which um, is a crazy part of the country in many ways, but there's, there's always bigger, better, and more. And I'm even seeing it with my kids as they're going through high school, how early they're talked to about achievement and accomplishment and getting into college. And it just seemed like that pursuit of more was constant, not only for the kids, but certainly for the adults. So there is a difference because there is this idea that when we have whatever that thing is, then we'll be happier. Mm -hmm. And that's actually, there's a term for that in psychology, it's called the arrival fallacy. Because we don't recognize that yes, there are things that can bring happiness when we get to that level, but there's also going to be challenges that perhaps we didn't have at the level before. So really what contentment is opposed to happiness is that ability to be satisfied by what's enough in your life already. And it's actually not intuitive because everything in our culture leads us to think that we need to be more, have more, and do more in order to have a healthy self-worth. So if we wanna pursue contentment, and that's not to say we don't pursue goals. I mean, we're here for a purpose. We're here to live full and have goals. But if we don't know how to enjoy the journey along the way to getting there, and also when we hit the challenges, how to find the ability to be satisfied, we're never going to find that happiness we're looking for. So contentment is more about learning how to appreciate what's already good in your life and be satisfied by it.
1: Oh, this is so powerful, yeah. and i yes, it I think that uh, I think God knew I needed to speak with you today because <laughs> is, this is something that I I absolutely struggle with in my life, and I think it's um, in part because of how I was raised. You know, my my dad is a high achieving person, and it's all it's always been like that's great. Good job. What else? Like what's, what's next? next? More yeah. More. And, and I've, yeah. And I've developed that mentality myself, I think where I'll strive for goals and then I'll hit it. And I won't even stop to really celebrate for, for mm. even a moment. And I'll just mm-hmm. think yeah. that. And so ha- in the pursuit of happiness, I think a lot of us actually create discontentment. Cause that's we think right. the next thing is going to make me happy. And then, it, mm-hmm. and then it's like, no, no, no. The next thing, the next thing, yeah, the next thing. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. so powerful. That's exactly um, right. Yeah. So tell us about, um, and I think, you know, I think in internally I struggle with this idea because I do think that if I just am being content, that it's like settling,
2: Right. And, mm-hmm. and I don't
1: want to settle for less than I, than my potential. And I don't want to settle for less than, you know, what I, what I want in the bigger, in the bigger scheme of things. So, um, so l- talk to us more about that idea of, um, contentment versus complacency. Mm-hmm. That's a big question that people ask, Are, am
0: I settling if I choose contentment? over the pursuit of happiness, whatever that might look like. And it's, it's not so. And the eight practices that I outline in my book, some of them, self-compassion, practicing acceptance, gratitude is a big one. What we see from those practices is that the people who actually engage in those practices and learn how to be satisfied wherever they're at, actually get to the goals quicker. And, and part of it, it's, it's, Something that you wouldn't think, again, intuitively that that would happen, but it does. Because when we engage in those practices, we learn how to be satisfied. We lower stress. And when you lower stress, all of a sudden you unleash things in your mind and body. I mean, when we've seen people Mm -hmm. who practice gratitude live longer, people who are connected in relationships have a healthier immune response. And then we also know is that we become mentally, we can get mentally unstuck if we have self-compassion for ourselves. And we can lower stress in that way. And that gives us some cognitive clarity, you know, that we don't have when we're stressed or consumed in a situation. So just by learning those practices, by learning how to find joy, even when we're not at the goal, right? Because most of our life is lived along the journey, right? Mm-hmm. The goalposts are markers. They're they're the highlight reel when we get to them. But most of our life is lived in between the goalposts. So when we learn how to find that fulfillment in those in-between places, the process to actually getting to the goals speeds up. So that's why it's not complacency. We actually can have that, um, but it also gives us a balance along the way.
1: Yeah. I think when we're living in a state of anxiety and fear, it is so hard to be creative and Mm -hmm. and for your brain to go to work to make the good things. And I think, you know, one of the things we talk a lot about in our network is this idea of um, financial freedom. Like we're striving for financial freedom and we teach people to do that with real estate and what we're doing. But when, if we think about it, like if we're striving for financial freedom, what we're really looking for is peace, right? Mm -hmm. And if we're, and so if we are in a state of fear and anxiety and stress, then we are not in a state of peace. And I think we attract to ourselves what we are experiencing. And so if you want peace, you've got to figure out how to find peace right where you're at so that, so that you become like an attractor of more of those things. Right.
0: Yes. That's a sermon in and of itself. It
1: is just said it Uh is.
0: And that's right. And I do believe you attract what you put out there. You absolutely do. And it is, it's very hard to think. It's very hard to be creative. It's very hard to dream when you're paralyzed by fear.
1: So so
0: that's, yeah. I mean, that's spot on.
1: So you, you started to tell us some of the keys in your book, um, the keys to contentment. And, um, and so, and I heard things like gratitude. What are some of the other keys? Cause this is really good stuff that people yeah. just don't think about. Like if you do this, it will not only help you to feel better right now, but it's actually going to move you further faster. If you practice these things, what are some other things people can actually practice? to it learn? So, so I named three of them.
0: One is, um, Self-compassion, practicing acceptance. I actually listed them in my book in order of most difficult. So I put acceptance first: the ability to accept some of the hard things in your life rather than reject them mm. and move through them, find purpose in them, and that—that's a process. Um, what we know is at the heart of our well-being from our longest study on well-being that comes out of Harvard, the Harvard grant study is connection, having connected relationships and investing in those relationships. I talk about living with intention and that requires priorities. Um, And in that chapter, we also talk about setting boundaries, knowing what is life-giving and life-draining and having the confidence and ability to say no to those things. Um, I talk about building resilience as one of the keys to contentment, learning how to do that, certainly in my experience, having faith is to me at the center of my contentment. Mm-hmm. It might not be the experience for everyone, but certainly it, it is a game changer in finding contentment in my life. So those are some of them. And I'm sure I'm leaving out some because every time someone asks me to remember the eight <laughs> keys, it's like when I have to <laughs> think of my children's names, like all of a sudden I can't think of them. You know, and I look like a terrible mother, but and their birthdays like forget it. Forget it. <laughs> I love it. I love it.
2: Wow. Well, well, in your teaching you talk a lot about wanting everything you have and mm. not striving for more. So tell us a little bit more about that.
0: Yeah, you know, I I think I think it is good to um strive for what is in our potential, what is in our capability. But the idea of contentment is the idea is, do we still want everything that we have? There's so many things in our life that are so precious and so valuable. And if they were taken away tomorrow, we would be sitting there thinking, why didn't I spend more time in that? And a good way to figure out what that is, and and it sounds a little bit morbid, but it's actually very effective, is to think about at the end of your life, what do you want to look back on and say you invested in? What do you want to spend time in? What at that point becomes the things that were most meaningful to you? That's what we can choose to invest our time in now. And we don't have to wait till that point, but we don't, we don't think about it like Mm -hmm. that, you know? So the idea, um, you know, when I, when I use that terminology of happiness is having everything you want. And that's kind of our cultural definition of happiness. Contentment is wanting everything you have. And the funny thing is when you do appreciate everything you have, then the more starts to look a little different. It's, it really does. The more changes its shape and its face. And, and in that way, the striving becomes a healthier process. And if we're myopically focused on more all the time.
2: Whoa. Mm-hmm. So good. You know, it makes me think, I heard, I don't remember the numbers, but the statistics of how many people have all of these storages and stuff, you know, things just piled and piled in the storage. We can't let go of them, but we're never going to use them. And we'll just sit there for years and years and years, but we can't let go of it. So there's, I just love this because there's so many things that we do just need to let go of.
0: It's, it's, that's so true. And it's so interesting. And I actually just went through cleaning out my closet. And, and I've noticed this with my kids clothes too, but when we have so much, we can't even see what we have. Yes, We can't even look at what we actually do have and appreciate it for what it is because it becomes so overwhelming to sift through so much. So it, it actually was very freeing. I just took out all things. I'm like, this is nice, but I haven't worn it in three years. Like I'm giving yep. it away. Yep. I have a pile that I'm like, if I don't fit into it by this summer, I'm not going to wait any longer. It's going, it's going. My dreams of fitting into it, maybe not realistic. It's okay. So, but once I did that, all of a sudden, the things I had looked even more beautiful. Yeah. I thought, oh, I didn't see you behind yes. all this, this, and this, you know? And now, wow, you're really special. I I, I like you. I'm going to wear you. <laughs> but I, I think it is what happens in our life, too, when it's so filled that it's harder to appreciate what's good already. Oh, mm-hmm. So powerful.
1: Yeah, absolutely. One of the things um, we talk about sometimes related to... Well, even just time management and personal productivity and things like that. But I think it, I think it applies to this too, is like, what do you need to stop doing Mm -hmm. um, in order to make room for the things that you really want in your life? But I think sometimes what we have to think about, what do I need to stop doing so that I can really appreciate the good things that are already Mm -hmm. in my life? Um, I, I've heard someone say that like anxiety is about worrying, worrying about the future, um, and being in a in a future state, but that, like contentment is really about like being present. Mm, and like in this moment right now, what can I be grateful for? Um, how is my life beautiful? Like, what are those good things? Um, that's right. it that is one of my keys in my book. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> oh, is, great. Um,
0: developing a present focus because Perfect. it is anxiety never rarely lives in the present. It's either in the past or it's in the future. So again, when we're, in that state of fear, it's hard to be present because is what I'm worried about my reality right now. Usually it's not, usually it's not, but it's interesting that you said, um, we have to say no to things basically to free up our time and our energy as well. There Shonda Rhimes had written year of yes. I think that was her book or said she was going to have a year of yes. Mm -hmm. And I wrote in my book in order to have a year of yes you have to have a year of no because you have to make time for the things that you're going to say yes to. And in order to do that, we have to free up time from the things that are
2: more draining. Mm, Love it. Love it. Well, let's talk about this. What about people that are really going through some tough situations? Maybe it's a financial hardship, a loss. How can they find contentment in the middle of that?
0: Mm. So as, as I said, there's, um, The first two chapters of my book are the ones that are at the hardest. There's acceptance and self-compassion. And I talk about the fact that we can't bypass those moments. We can't go around them. We have to go through them, but we can go through them in a way that's healthy, that we can process that experience, that we can actually be a support to ourselves, Um, connecting with other people who may have gone through it or who want to support us in that is a big piece of healing. But we have to deal first with that situation before we can then take the next steps to create this life that we want. What you find is when we stop resisting it, when we stop asking, I always say the why questions, why did it happen to me? But instead, what am I supposed to get through this? And how am I supposed to move through it? If we can focus on those two questions, then we get to that place where we can then start dreaming again and seeing the possibility. But they're very real situations. And in terms of finding contentment in those moments, I had a friend go through cancer, a very dear friend of mine. She said, there's a terrible side of cancer, but there's a beautiful side that you would never see unless you had cancer. And there are always things that we can look for that we're attuned to. Maybe it's the way people have supported us. Maybe it's the fact that we have our health to get through the next day. I always say for looking for gratitude, think about the things that that we have that we take for granted that other people would dream about right now based on their situation. And then that's a guideline in terms of how we can find contentment in those moments.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I love that. Um, Let's talk about like how to, how to be really proactive. Like what are the types of experiences that we can create or pursue that can help us to, to get into that state of contentment?
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, I I really think a gratitude practice is at the heart of it. Mm -hmm. Just making that a part of your day, it's, it's a mindset, really. And it's a mindset shift. And I always say gratitude is not a feeling. It's a practice. It's actionable. So sitting down and thinking about specifically, okay, what is it about your partner or your house or your health that you appreciate that day? And that prevents us from writing about the same things every day. That's an actionable thing that you can do, expressing gratitude to other people. And what we know at the neurochemical level is that when we express gratitude to people, it releases dopamine in our minds. When we write it down, it's serotonin. There are health benefits to doing it. And those two neurochemicals will elevate our mood and increase our motivation. So when we look at these very simple things that can change literally our neurochemistry to make us more motivated, to make us happier, to make us more... Um, creative. These are some of the things that we can do. But I also think one thing that that has been really helpful to me that I had to do at one point in my life was I sat down and I looked at all right, what are the most important things in my life? And then in a column right next to it, I wrote down, how do I spend my time in a day and a week and how do they line up? You know, and it doesn't mean that the most important things is where all your time is going to go. I mean, obviously, for many people, their job isn't the most important thing in their life. But it takes up their most hours. But are we intentional about making time for those things that are? Because what we what we see is when your when your schedule lines up with your priorities, when your schedule can reflect your values, that's when we really begin to feel peace and contentment. So I, I'd say those two things were really helpful for me in developing a mindset of contentment.
1: Yes, what you're describing is a sort of alignment right? Mm. Like a personal mm-hmm. alignment with who you intend to be and, and who you are and making sure that your calendar and, you know, and I, I always add in how we spend our money, that those things yes. are actually aligned with who we want to be and and who we say, who we say that we are and what's important to us. That's right. Um, yeah. So um, tell us about, um, how do you, how do you reconnect? So if you're in the middle of a day and you find yourself getting frustrated, Mm -hmm. um, or starting to, to feel anxiety, like what's something that you could take action on, like right, right in the moment, right where you're at Mm -hmm. a 60 second
0: slow breath cycle, is what I usually suggest to clients. It is amazing how soon we can actually calm ourselves down if we're breathing in the right way. This works for special forces combat units like Navy SEALs. So I always say if it works for the SEALs, it's going to work for me and my stress from the day to day. But what you do, the the key to breathing for relaxation is a longer exhale. So I like to do a four-second slow inhale, six-second slow exhale, that's 10 seconds. Do that six times. That will just bring down your heart rate because we tend to be super anxious at that time. When you're exhaling, think about releasing tension and where it might be in your body. And then once you get to that point, and maybe it's a minute, maybe it's two minutes, maybe it's up to five minutes, which actually does make quite a difference. You can ask yourself, is anything that I'm really stressed about is there any urgency in making a decision or acting on it right now in this minute? In, in the 17 years of practice that I've been in most of the time, I'd say 90 over 90% of the answer has been no, it's not. And just that realization can help to calm down. And then what I would say is what is the next thing I have to do right now? Right? Because we can get overwhelmed. We don't know where to start. Mm We're in the future thinking about the things that are coming But if we can just focus on one thing at a time, that is a process that's far less stressful that will reduce the stress that we might be feeling in the moment.
2: So good. It is fantastic. You know, as you were talking, especially when we were talking a few minutes ago about how do you get through the or or loss, um, I know when my mother was diagnosed with brain cancer, First of all, she was only sixty-four. She was going on forty-four, mm. so I expected her to live until she was eighty. And we were super wow. close, and and I mean devastated, devastated when she was diagnosed, and we knew that there was just it was just a matter of time. But I prayed that God would give me one good year with my mom. Just give me one good year. And he actually gave me 18 months. But wow, I got to, I actually w- was able to move in with my mom and help take care of her and spend an amazing 18 months with my mom. And wow. so w- by the time that it was time for her to go, i I could handle it. I was, mm. you know, and, and it was exactly what you said. I was just grateful
1: for mm-hmm. that time
2: that I got to spend with her, that he gave me that 18 months and found so much contentment and just thinking about how blessed I was to have her in the first place
0: mm. and finding, mm. and
2: I believe that that is what got me through that time without yeah. completely falling apart.
0: Absolutely. Because that, I mean, no matter how you shape it, that's a devastating loss. Absolutely. It's a devastating, profound loss, but in having that and how God exceeded your expectations in yeah. and of itself is is amazing. Yeah. Um, it it will fill you with gratitude and contentment. It really depends what you choose to focus on when you're going through that loss. There's enough. There was enough in that situation you could have focused on that would have left you feeling very empty and bitter, but you your focus was on what you did have, not what you didn't. Yeah, and that that too makes such a difference in developing that contentment mindset.
2: Yes, yes, yes. Well, tell me, what role does faith play in a life of true contentment for you?
0: Oh my gosh, I mean it. I I have been uh, walking with the Lord for a long time in my whole life, as far as I remember, and never imagined any of the things that I'm doing right now. I actually was in medical school. Before I came with it, became a therapist, my, both my parents are doctors. Um, talk about high achieving, like next thing. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You win. To, like, right, no, no, no. Oh. But for me to come home and be like, hey, I'm leaving medical school because this is not what I thought. And I was 27 at that point. So I was older. Um, it was That was like a death in the family for, for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. But really knew that that's where God was leading me. And I didn't know why. And I didn't know what was on the other side of it. Um, never imagined some of the things that I'm, I'm doing now, but I, I would say that in those times where it's hard to find contentment, if you have God, he will enable you to find it. And, and it's not even that he has to give you anything. It's what I have experienced at this point in my life is being in the presence of God is enough to find contentment. That is the center of our peace and our, our joy and our wisdom And the security of knowing that whatever mistakes we make, we will be redirected. We will be redirected. There is a plan. As long as I have stayed close to God, I've seen it unfold in beautiful ways that have been greater than I could have imagined. So for me, I mean, you're talking about someone who's very biased in that way, but um, (laughs) it's really been everything. It's been everything in finding those places of contentment at times that have been incredibly hard.
2: Yes. Well, this is my favorite thing. So I am I am like you. I've just been walking with God my entire life and I don't even understand how somebody makes it through all the adversity when they don't have that. But I'm also such a nerd when it comes to combining like what you're doing, brain science and like biblical. That it's just so fascinating how what you were really learning is that science just lines up with the word of God, even like gratitude. He tells us to be thankful always. And yet there's scientific proof that when we are filled with gratitude, all the things that it brings us joy and peace and all of those things. So. I'll, I'll give
0: you another one. You know, your brain can't be anxious and sing at the same time. Ooh. There are too many processes that singing involves. So when, when we talk about in faith how we were made to worship, it is just as much for our benefit mm-hmm. as it is for the purposes of worshiping God. So that was something that I discovered a while ago in, in the research. And I started telling clients about it and I've had people singing at the worst times in their yes.
2: life just
0: because it, it is, it alleviates fear in those Ooh, moments. And that's, that's so that's
2: powerful. Wow. I hope, uh, yeah. If our listeners did not take anything from this, I hope they heard that. <laughs> that is so powerful. If you're just going, if you, you know, if you're fulfilling for, for anxiety, fear, Let's just sing, yeah, so good, yeah. so good. Well, how do you view your work as a vocation or your call from God?
0: I still ask him that like every yeah. day. we're going, you know, yeah. um I I know I'm called I'm called into healing work. My husband, he's a physician, so and he's actually an orthopedic surgeon, so he fix. So it's broken bones. We've always said, like we both deal with brokenness, yeah, in, in different ways. So it's definitely a calling on our life. And I, I will use it, however God is calling me to use it. Whether it's one-on-one, I do coaching, um, and you know, have been in therapy for a long time, or if it's speaking to you know thousands of people or now millions of people on media, whatever mm-hmm. opportunity God puts in front of me. Um, I will step into it. I have stopped trying to predict it or plan it because that hasn't, I haven't been all that accurate. (laughs) Um, But I'll tell you that um, when we pursue God, as much as we're pursuing opportunity, um, that the opportunities will materialize. I, I didn't plan to write a book when I did. I actually had an acquisitions editor contact me and I'd happen to have just, done a book proposal a year before because I felt, you know, in my spirit that it was time to write it, but I tabled it Mm -hmm. and I had someone out of the blue contact me and say, Hey, are you working on any proposals? Which for many writers, any writer that's listening, like that doesn't happen all that. That (laughs) So yeah, that's been my experience. Amazing.
2: Fantastic. Well, how can our listeners use their faith as a transformative a transformative tool during times of difficulty?
0: Yeah, I think part of it is just knowing that like anything is possible. Anything is possible. And we may not see what that future looks like, but we don't need to. Mm-hmm. If, if we trust that God is working all things for good, that he will use everything that we're going through right now to weave it into this plan that he's That he's leading us through, um, it's it's going to happen, and it's it's really leaning on your faith at those times. It's believing when you're not seeing, and I will also say we're not called to be in that place during times of difficulty by ourselves. There are times, and I've I've told this to my clients, I've claimed it for myself that you have to borrow faith from other people Mm -hmm. who have it at times when you don't have it, and and rely on that and rest on that, and it will come back. It will come back, but just. Do not let go of your pursuit of your faith and the pursuit of God, and and you'll get through it. There is another side of it, and the amazing thing is when you're on the other side, to see how that moment was pivotal, in not only strengthening your faith but getting you ready for whatever it is that God has ahead for you.
2: Yes,
1: mm-hmm. I love it. Yes. One of the things um, one of my mentors uh, shares with me, she's like, if you don't feel like in full faith, if you don't feel like you believe that it's going to happen or, you know, or you're struggling because there's hard stuff that's going on to just pray for the willingness to mm-hmm. believe, Play pray for the willingness to have faith. Because if you're like, God, I just don't, I don't feel it. I don't feel it right now. Um, and I think having, having people around us that can remind us yes. um, what God is capable of and that they can believe on our behalf sometimes and to, that, that we can just rest and just Pray for the willingness to to get there. You know, God, I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to to have faith. I'm willing to believe. I don't feel it all over the place right now, but I'm willing, right? Yeah. Pray for the willingness.
0: Absolutely. I mean, one of my favorite scriptures is help help my unbelief, right? Yeah. I I believe that, that, you know, help my unbelief. And having known pastors as friends over the years, they go through this too. Mm -hmm. They go through this too. They question their faith too. That's That's part of our normal human experience in this life. We will question God. We will question our faith, but it's part of it. And God doesn't leave us during those times. We can let him know that we have doubts and we can pray for our unbelief that that God would strengthen our faith during that time. So yeah, Yeah. very normal, very normal experience.
2: Just surrounding ourselves with other faith-filled Women especially. I just had this I just had a girls weekend this weekend with two of my best friends, but they're both so filled with faith that by the mm. time that they left the three of us were ready to take on the world. I mean, because yeah. you know, we just sewed into each other and prayed over each other and believed with each other. Yes. And it's such a powerful thing to have, and not everyone has that. So we have to seek out sometimes um other faith filled men and women so that we are surrounded when we do go through those difficult times that we have somebody that can speak into us and pray for us and encourage us
0: that's right and and I think we can pray for those people too if we, mm-hmm. if we don't have them in our life pray for them they they Call will show up yes. yeah they will show up at times you least expect it yeah so um I think we can and just like you said we we need the reminders from other people. That's also a great reason to keep a gratitude journal because we forget even a week ago, what God's done in your life. You know, when we, when we hit that spot, we can totally forget, Oh, how has God been faithful? What has happened in my life? But if we're writing it all down, we can go back and look at it and have that reminder for Mm
1: ourselves. You know, I heard, um, uh, And I can't remember what his name was, but he was a, it was a happiness expert, um, Uh which uh, and he was sharing that one of the keys to happiness or one of the, one of the concrete things that you can do is not just write a gratitude journal, but to like do what you just said, which is to go back and read it. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. when you read, like when you actually go back and read what you had written in a gratitude journal, your, your brain has some of that same like response to it. Like it's like you're experiencing it. Is yeah, that right? I know who
0: you're talking about. You're probably talking about Sean Aker, um, because he he does talk about how your brain doesn't really differentiate between what was in the past and right. what was in the future, what's in the present when you're when you've written about it in detail. Mm-hmm. So you can experience some of those same mood elevating neurochemicals just by reading it. So that's that's a really important point to do. Yeah. It is very powerful.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, um, Nero, we like to ask our guests for three takeaways. So what are three things that you would advise an investor or an entrepreneur who is looking to be brave and grow or is Mm. perhaps feeling stuck where they are?
0: Yeah. What are three things? Okay. So what, what I would say is where is the fear coming from? You know, as a therapist, I ask better questions than give directives. Perfect. To know, one, we have to target, where is the fear coming from, right? Um, And what do we have to lose if we don't take that step, right? Or what do we have to lose if we do take that step? But what what do we have to lose if we don't, right? So Mm -hmm. if we're not brave and we stay in the same place that we're at, what potentially do we have to lose? Well, and that's kind of just getting in touch with what is the possibility? What could happen? And and I like to think about, and especially if this person is a person of faith, not necessarily what we can do in our own strength, but what can we do if God gives us the ability and the opportunity, right? Because I always say this in in, in everything I do, I can look at it. And my husband knows this more than anybody else because he knows the craziness of our life. Everything that I've done has been not in my own wisdom and strength, but in the strength and wisdom that has been given to me. So, in that case, the possibility really is endless. And if it can happen to somebody else who can get to that point, it can absolutely happen for you. That's
1: beautiful. Wow. So good. So good. Well, Teresa, um, this has been amazing. Do you have any takeaways from what we've learned today um, with Nero? <laughs> so many
2: takeaways, so many takeaways. Literally what she was just saying right then about um, taking a step, like a brave step. That is actually a, that is a, a step of faith. And when we take Mm -hmm. one step of faith, when when we do something that's brave, it's out of our comfort zone. It took a lot of faith for us to do that. God blesses that. And he's the one that causes it to succeed and to prosper. You know, I think of, you know, you could just think of so many people in the Bible. I think of Joshua taking the children of Israel into the promised land. I mean, he had to be brave. He had to take a step. And then God blesses that. And so he can't bless when we're just sitting there in, in fear and don't, you know, without, you know, not doing anything. Um, there's only so much he can do. But when we give him something to work with, oh, anything is possible.
0: I think I think so many people feel like what they have is not enough. It's not good enough, or it may not measure up to what other people might have to bring. And that's where some of the fear creeps in. And I always think about, For me, how God is a multiplier, I just have to bring what I have, even if I don't feel like it's enough. God has always done a lot with a little. So, and He has that capacity to multiply. And that again is going back to just bring what you have, you know, use what you have and trust that God will make it enough for whatever it is He's calling you to do.
1: Yes. Yes. Woo. I love that. I love that. I think so many of us feel like we are, um, like they're like, why would God use me, right? Mm, or am mm-hmm. I enough? And I love what you just said that He has always used just a little to make to make a lot and to make enough. Yes. Um, there's yeah. so many so many places uh, in Scripture that points back to that concept. And I think, I think back when, um, the story and, and wasn't Moses, a stutterer and he was like, yes. why me, why would you yes. choose me? Yeah. Um, and one of the, one of the things that I, I pray almost every single day is God, just help me do the next right thing. Mm. And cause I think, you know, and it's great to pray big prayers and, um, and call for call out for, for God to do amazing things. But sometimes I think we just need to stay in that present and say, "God, mm. just help me know what the next right thing is, and mm-hmm. then just do that thing." Because when we think too far yeah. into the future or it's too big, then it's we we can also get overwhelmed and get into anxiety and fear, and it um, it's too much. So whenever I start to feel like it's too much, I just say, "Okay, help me do the next right thing. And That's that right. enough, right?" Yeah. That's awesome. Perspective, awesome. yeah. Well, um, Nero, we also like to give our listeners a challenge. So what would you challenge our listeners to do this week?
0: I would say, because I know everybody's busy, but for the most part, everyone has 15 minutes. We spend it in different ways, scrolling, doing things that are mindless, but take 15 minutes and be intentional about what you think about in that 15 minutes. I would say, make a list of what a life of contentment would look like for you. Because part of getting there is identifying what it is. What are our truest desires? What does contentment look like for you? What does life have to look like in order for you to feel content? And maybe some of the things you come up with in that moment, you realize that you already have. That, that's my hope. That's my hope.
1: That's beautiful. Yes,
2: it is. Yes 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 okay well tell everyone where they can connect with you and how to get your book and I can't say enough all of our our listeners you should go grab this book again is it titled this book will not make you happy
0: yeah this book won't make you happy
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, well where can they find it and where can they find you
0: So the book is on Amazon and really anywhere online where books are sold, but they're also at Barnes and Nobles across the country. And you can find me on, I'm pretty active on Instagram at Nero Feliciano or everything is on my website, NeroFeliciano.com. And my podcast is there. My podcast is wherever you listen to podcasts as well. So that's where to connect with me. And I love to hear from people and I have a newsletter that goes out, uh, twice a month, with inspiring stories and and one tip to live intentionally, for for that week. So, you can definitely connect with me there when you subscribe.
1: Awesome. Well, we appreciate you so much. There were so many golden nuggets today. I love the tip about. I got goosebumps when you said, "If you sing." That that yeah. you you literally can't <laughs> feel anxiety and stress yep. and sing at the same time. I think that's such a simple, simple takeaway that anybody mm-hmm. can implement um right away. So thank you so much for all of the wisdom that you've shared with us and our listeners.
0: Oh, my pleasure. It's such a pleasure to meet you both too. Thank you. you too. Thank you. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, if you've heard something that helped you today, our listeners, please share this podcast with a sister. Be sure to hit follow, leave us an honest review, um, and it lets us know that we're making an impact and it will help us reach more people and introduce more people to Nero.
2: Yes. And if you're ready to create the life you've always desired through investing in real estate, Time is running out to reserve your seat in the Without Fear of Her Future Masterclass. The link to save your seat is in the show notes on this episode.
1: Thank you so much again for joining us today, Nero, and to all of our listeners. On behalf of the Women's Real Estate Investors Network and Teresa Todd, I'm Andrea Ingstrom, encouraging you to be brave and dream big.